When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you to Liquid IV and Babbel for sponsoring this video. Yes, all but right. I'm ready. Sir, yes, sir. Let's do this Do thing. this. Sam Shepard, I was right. Uh, besides that being one of the greatest casts I've ever seen, um, an ensemble piece, um, I really, oh, really do. Oh, dancey. Sorry, like the cast. Oh, no, 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 no you're good. You're good. Like keep so keep calling out cast people, members. Yeah. Don't don't worry about it. Uh, go ahead. Call, anyway, call out cast keep, members. Keep on going. Uh, I was going to say, I, I totally understand the hype around this film. Uh, what an intense roller coaster ride. Um, well, first of all, I had never, sorry about my uh, ignorance to the history. Um, I'd never heard this story. I know as an American, you're like, how do you not know? Apologies. Uh, I I didn't know anything about it. So sure. uh, just from Ridley Scott's perspective, I appreciate uh, the history that I learned from this. Um, I thought it was done in a very uh, emotional and mature way. So I appreciate just the history that I learned from this, yeah. um, what these soldiers had to go through, also what the people of Somalia had to go through just from the starvation and just obviously a very horrific thing and i am well, living under yeah, the thumb of a of a uh, genocidal yeah, warlord yes of course <laughs> awful situation i am never a proponent of war or like you know getting involved in in situations to which we do not need to but in humanitarian well, that's question that's yeah. what that becomes is like yeah what, what is your response I, I feel like that's one of the major questions yeah. of a lot of wars like what is your responsibility from right. across the right. world when like massive unholy devastation is taking place. Right, and you know? uh, in this situation, you know, when 300,000 people have been starved to death and it's, the numbers are going to continuously keep climbing and, you know, uh, that's that's well, quite a yeah, quite a serious situation. Like so using yeah. the people that yeah, they, of course, you know, of course. are seeking to lord yeah. over. And, yeah, they're, they're, you know, using starvation as a means of leveraging everyone and their mass murder. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, having said, yeah, having said that, I love that in the beginning of the film, obviously we got the scope of what's happening in terms of the history of uh, the situation, uh, the warlord and all that. And then also too, we got to have a little, uh, bit of camaraderie and, uh, you know, the, um, we got to meet the main, uh, crew of the, uh, army or uh, or such uh and i thought of the operation the operation yes yes sort all of the, units yes, that make ex- up this operation exactly and uh, you know right away i was already like in love and invested with most of these characters uh like the you know um the interactions we were getting and just seeing again the the family unit camaraderie between all the guys um yeah. also too not knowing that literally was going to be a non-stop roller coaster ride for the rest of the film for the most part it was nice to just have a little like 
relaxation before like the real nonstop action began. And it was an emotional action because we were already so invested in these characters. At least that's how I felt. Um, so, but amazingly well done. Uh, I can only imagine, I had just actually seen today that David Ayer, um, a film we had just reacted to, Fury, he put out this thing on Twitter. Uh, it was like a, a page, a posted page showing like a one day's uh, work. Yeah. Of, I, I don't know if you saw that, but just showed like, what goes into one day of filming an action sequence? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, that is so, I already figured it was a ton of work and a ton of prepping and all that stuff. But what I saw on that sheet of paper, and I'm sure most of you know what I'm talking about, that David Ayer posted today, I can't even imagine this film. I mean, there was so much uh, planning out and so many like wide shots and uh, incredible um, coordination with the action sequences and the helicopter shot. I mean, just insane. I was just so damn impressed. I got so much more to say. Giannizio, <laughs> what did you think of Black Hawk Down? Yeah, I'm still putting my my pieces (laughs) together after all that. It's a very striking work, and I'm trying to remember. This would be slightly after Saving Private Ryan. Yes, three three years later. That was 98. This is 2001, yes. Because, yeah, I feel like there are these milestone movies in the progression of war cinema over time, and especially as... You know, we've crested out of, you know, the the older school, you know, in the 50s and 60s, you would have these these war movies that weren't as predicated on like the visceral intensity of just being there uh, and and beholding the sort of chaotic, wanton, you know, amalgamation of harsh elements and and split second decisions like a movie like this to me seems like it. I would I would like to go back to the moment in time because I remember when this movie came out I and do too. Uh, and yeah I remember it being a big deal and and something that a lot of people were talking about and uh, you know this seems like it would be something of a departure in that uh, like I feel like a lot of more war movies probably learned from this in mm. the sense that you get introduced to everybody you start off relatively gradually you get a brief briefing of what the situation is then we spend a little bit of time with uh all of our you know various ensemble players you know and and yeah it's like it's enough like the, the it'd be i'd be curious to go back and rewatch the first part again just because you know you do get that time with them but that's also like the lion's share of the time you get with them and then yes. the rest of it is the operation it's like you get to know everybody in the lead up and then once the actual operation begins then it's all just pretty much nonstop that you're cutting around to everybody who's on hand, everybody who's involved, all the different departments, all the different people on the chain of command. But uh, there's not like this seemed like a unique piece in that it doesn't have those breathing moments and those moments to check in or those moments to, you know, between that it's, it's one operation going down and it's one, you know, plan that was supposed to be straightforward, you know, completely falling apart and becoming like a whole day long mess. Yeah. And so it felt kind of unique, maybe f- for thinking back on this moment of time uh, to, yeah, have this thing that, yeah, gets most of its characterization and its intros out of the way at the mm-hmm. top and then pretty much just throws you into a nonstop maneuver until the very end of the movie i mean there are a couple of moments where you know there's quiet between firefights but like this really felt like like you have you know the the 
little character dramatic bits in the prologue, the first act, and the rest of it is just all in the shit, in the thick of it. And yeah, I mean, the combination of, you know, the cinematography and the way they enhance the temperature and the elements and the dirt and the grime and the sweat, the way they handled, like, they must have had so much B-roll and second unit footage to capture and sift through all the actors and, you know, the different, like, I think every war movie to some extent requires actors to say the dialogue, but also communicate the, the, you know, uh, the, the deeper layers it's like a lot of dialogue in war movies to me seems uh, like there's a double speak happening where yeah. people are kind of saying something that's maybe ironic or optimistic to mask, you know, the very real pain and, and you know, fear of the, the reality of the situation. And I feel yeah. like this definitely captured that. And yeah, I mean, there are, are certain character arcs that like the thing with Ewan McGregor, like, is one of the few things that is like kind of. Not fun, but like, you know, that's for the most part, this doesn't feel too Hollywoody in terms of how it's like drawing its archetypes of characters or having like, yeah, there is a guy with a girl back home or whatever, but it's not doing that trope the same way a lot of other movies would. Um, and it does feel like a like a pretty genuine encapsulation of how things can go wrong. And again, the expectation of and the view from outside, you know, the further you get up the chain of command, the more time everything takes and the easier it is to sit back and consider things when, you know, stuff on the ground, when you're the soldiers executing the operation, you know, like, (laughs) I can't imagine the patience and focus it must take to run these things up the chain of command, wait for them to come back down. You're seeing literal situations unfolding in front of you. You have the best vantage point, and yet you have to rely on people who are kind of looking from the outside yeah. in to some extent or another. And it, it really does capture this sort of impossibility of the whole thing. And, and like you have so many... This one thing this really drove home to me was that, yeah, like this operation for all their, uh, you know, convincing each other at the beginning that like, oh, we'll be in and out. It's like a half hour. It's very it's a simple operation and we know what we got to do. And then you realize as the movie goes on, like, damn, this is still like multiple units. You've got people on the ground. You've got people in the air. You've got snipers. You've got other guys. You've got, you know, the guys who are up the chain of command watching on the monitors and and everyone's participating, but everyone has a different vantage point. And like the the way they handle the friction of that between everybody as they're trying to figure it out in these little moments where you're like, if this guy doesn't like this order, right? He could just decide to swerve and and throw a hail mary and screw this up even worse. Or you know, maybe in the case of like that one little exchange between William Fickner and uh, Jason, Jason Isaacs, Isaac. like okay, well maybe. There is a time to eschew the chain of command and, and, hey, maybe, yeah, we need to improvise in this moment. And, and yeah, it's just another one of those onslaught movies that really drives home, like, how hard it is to process all of this, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and obviously we know the movie's called Black Hawk Down, even though we didn't know too much about what it's going to be uh, about, but we could yeah. kind of slightly get a handle. On a you know bit, what this is yeah, going to yeah, yeah, yeah. Even but, if you don't know the particulars. Yeah, yeah, yeah you but know I mean, kinda... like seeing how it kind of started off with a little bit of a hitch in terms of, okay, this guy's clearly afraid to go, even though he's being paid for a job, the um, the guy that they hired to do uh, to drive into the, uh, the hostile territory yeah. to let them signal them which building 
um, right there there uh, that lets you know that okay, we're foreshadowing a, an unforeseen uh, horrific situation, and also yeah. too once the uh, they had the spies with the kids, uh, letting them know okay, impeding uh, danger is that's uh, is always coming. harsh. Yeah, cause, of course, cause especially when you're in you know places like this. I feel yeah. like more than I mean, it happens in various war related things but i feel like especially when you're in a place like somalia the imagery often comes with the images of kids yeah. kids with guns absolutely uh, I, and i will say this too um i thought the uh, there wasn't a ton of humor in this film which nope. i thought which i thought was actually a wise choice by who, uh, whoever the writer uh, writer writers was yeah. uh just because again there's no much, room for well, yeah, it. exactly. Well, just because look, and they're it, not trying to be like too cute in well, Hollywood. Yeah, about just it, yeah. because look, you can put you can insert a little humor and in just to give us a little breathing room as as uh, the audience for a little levity. But I think it just put us in the POV of the of what these actual soldiers uh, went through in this situation. Like yeah. there was no room like to feel like they had any room to breathe in this situation. Like through this entire ordeal and like. Literally, once the action started, my heart was racing and did not stop other than maybe for yeah. 30 seconds. Like, my, my um, back just kept hunching yeah. and my mouth, my, my yeah, you know, so. eyebrows just kept yeah, know, and squinting. Yeah, and it kind of would have taken, honestly, forces you to kind yeah, of... Yeah, it would have taken, as, as much as I love humor, and I still would have <laughs> laughed, I, I, I would have... <laughs> this wasn't funny yeah, enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would have I been taken a little out of it if guys were starting to, you know, start, uh, give some uh, humor and... and this type of situation, uh, as I mentioned, about thirty to forty different times. Um, wait, Ridley Scott was hired to direct this film. He decided not to do Terminator Three. Wise Damn choice, dog. very wise choice. Wow. Um, also, too, I, I I I know I mentioned about thirty times. Sorry, got to give him his due. Uh, Hans Zimmer, phenomenal, phenomenal score. Sure. Uh, really echoed a lot of the sentiments that I was feeling in the moments that he was inserting uh, the score, whether it was piano background. Or just like the Somalian stuff that we were hearing with the music, it's just such a beautiful score. Uh, I, every time I think that this guy can't wow or impress me anymore, he does. I'm like, there's no way he can come up with a good Superman score as much as John Williams. And oh shit, he really did. Uh, yeah. There's no way Dune is gonna be one of his. Oh wow, Dune's really one of his best. Uh, whatever it is, he just. He keeps impressing me, and Gladiator's one of my favorite scores, and then immediately comes back with this one. I'm like, the dude is just so amazing he's so multifaceted and talented i'm like i love han zimmer so much such an amazing score yeah uh what do you think of the score by han zimmer uh i mean yeah i thought i thought it was terrific i mean i'm sure he was also collaborating with a lot of notable you know like somali vocalists and whatnot oh, and yeah. i mean it is a kind of a movie that you know it's not the kind of uh th there is like a han zimmer sound that exists course, now that is very recognizable oh, yeah. and so i enjoy going back to see some um, of his earlier works. to hear some of his earlier works where yeah there are different yeah, i mean this had tons of vocalizations this had those piano interludes oh, like piano I, I liked hearing him so work outside of the palette i am very used to hearing him uh work in right now yeah <laughs> uh so yeah i thought it was uh you know i mean it, it is very uh, the Further removed from it now, yeah. you know, it is a bit par for the course in yeah. terms of, you know, you're in a desert, so we're going to obviously have these, you know, sort of uh, these very striking and, and you know, sort of gravity, gr like they have this gravitas, these vocalizations, sure. oh, and, and sure. it is like That's a, a trope one. of this kind of yeah. setting, especially like in a war type movie. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I really and liked those flavors. Totally, totally agree with him. Really quick before I start getting into some of the fun facts here. Uh, <laughs> I love love Josh Harnett's character and how he embraced this leadership type role. And one of my favorite uh, speeches uh, in the film was uh, what Eric Bana was saying to him. Like, like dude, you got to embrace this leadership role. And again, I, w- whether it felt insensitive or not, that's your opinion. But uh, like, hey, you got you can harp on this later. Like, We've got to get these men out of here, and I just I, I love I really full, uh, felt that uh, he was a fully fleshed out character, Josh Harnett's character, and I I love Derek Bannon too, such a badass, yeah. and also too I, I liked I liked all the characters for the most part. Um, well, and, and obviously they, some didn't get as much focus, but still. Well, and this is a movie that, that, that sort of you know kind of defies what the label of even the concept of mm. being a badass could possibly mean, and there's that whole thing with Orlando Bloom early on where he fancies himself a badass, and then. You see that the real badasses out there yeah. are the guys like Eric Bana who probably wouldn't claim that title for themselves because they are just here for another day in the thick yeah. of it to look out for the yeah. guy next to him. And it's I just did, Sunday for me. And I did think it was interesting the characterizations because, like, yeah, Josh Hartnett is kind of billed as the star of this movie, even though it is such a again ensemble. broad ensemble. I thought his through line was quite nice and especially now sort of removed from the moment where you know there were feelings you could have about josh hartnett based on just like the the nuts and bolts of his career outside of a film any given film yeah i really liked watching him here i really liked his presence here. I, he felt like a guy who had yeah. who you know had a bit of a fresh face but not as much as say an orlando bloom type or even anyone mcgregor type. yeah yeah and, uh, and tom hardy <laughs> Sure. Yeah. 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 Like shocking. He seemed to have a certain amount of experience, but also like being kind of elevated to this yeah. leadership role in this situation and, and watching him, you know, he's not like, you know, the leader, the commander of everything. Right, right. There are a lot of other people of on course, the chain of, of command, but I thought, yeah, they just of his squad, centering him slightly was a, a nice thing. And, and I mean, there were so many great, you know, like I loved um, God, what's his name? The, like Tom Hardy and the guy from oh, uh, uh, Train Spotting. Yeah, together. yeah. His name, his name um, is uh, e- e- Ewan Brem- Bremner. No, Ewan Bremner. Nelson? Okay, yeah, yeah, Nelson. Yeah, I really like those guys together a lot. Um, and, and two, like again, I, I feel like it's funny because reading this uh, little Wikipedia thing, I guess the uh, John Grimes, the Ewan McGregor character, was renamed and reworked as the actual guy that character is based on did some pretty heinous things oh. <laughs> so uh and, and okay. it's funny so to did, me because that's a really coffee. because that is a really likable character and that is, is a character that loved them. feels out of everybody more like a movie character than most anybody else and not that that in the moment of the film took away for me i like yeah. that character a lot um but yeah I, I i'm i'm curious about that kind of authenticity and it says that this was adapted from you know, a, a book that is dramatizing these firsthand accounts and stuff like yeah. that. So, you uh, know, I feel like this really feels informed by, you know, people who would have really gone through or, or been close to a situation like this. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's one thing I, I'm always curious. Like, I love those videos on, on, you know, YouTube or wherever where it's like experts break down how, you know, good of a depiction this movie is or that movie is. Right. I'd, be, I'd be fascinated to see that for something like this. And coming out of Fury, which was a tank based movie, into something that isn't all about helicopter 
maneuvering, but you know, certainly features it heavily. You know, it was kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. All right, Reject Nation. So today I want to share something with you that has been a wonderful addition to my health and fitness journey that I discovered during the holidays, and that is Liquid IV's hydration multiplier. I'm down to my very last packet, and I'm freaking out, but it's okay. I got more in the mail. Now, a lot of you have been so kind to notice how I've been working on my physical health. Thank you for all the compliments. And one thing I learned is that proper hydration is absolutely crucial, especially post-workout and pre-filming after post-workout. And my wife actually introduced me to this product, which is perfect because we not only care about quality, but a good taste and quality product. Whether it's after a sweaty workout or just after, you know, a good night out, you know what I'm saying? Efficient hydration and replenishing electrolytes is key. You just feel better. And it tastes fantastic. I can't emphasize that enough. Another thing that I'm always on the lookout for, too, is products that have zero sugar or zero sugar added, because that's one of my main dietary restrictions throughout the week. And they, of course, got products that fit that description that also taste good, too. So, yes, thank you so much. So, Liquid IV's Hydration Multiplier is, in summary, is they are a non-GMO electrolyte drink that delivers hydration into your bloodstream faster and more efficient than water alone. Because sometimes drinking a whole gallon is not always efficient, but, in fact, it can provide the same hydration as drinking two to three bottles of water. I'm also big on efficiency. Plus, it's packed with a lot of essential vitamins, and we know vitamins are good for the body. It's vegan, soy-free, gluten-free, and dairy-free. You can customize the water amount to your taste. Again, perfect for post-night recovery, traveling, or just having a big night out. You know what I mean? No, I won't. So, if you want to boost your support for the channel and boost your hydration game, go to liquidiv.com and use promo code REJECTS at checkout. That's liquidiv.com, promo code REJECTS. And remember, Liquid IV, it's not a real IV. But it sure feels like it. So stay hydrated, stay healthy, and let's keep crushing those health and fitness goals together in the year 2024. Hello there, esteemed viewer of The Real Rejects. I, Greg Alba, language connoisseur and worldly gentleman, am here to bestow upon you the secrets of Babbel. Babbel is an engaging language learning app designed for real-life conversations, offering quick 10-minute lessons tailored by linguistic experts to effectively teach you a new language. Its conversation-based approach enhanced with speech recognition technology makes Babbel worth trying for anyone looking to learn at their own pace, anytime, anywhere. My dear friends, in this age of monolingual Mundanity, mundanity, mundanity. Mundanity. Babel is our beacon of hope. Crafted by an army of over 150 language experts, their lessons are like linguistic caviar. Rich, refined, and oh so satisfying. Personal tale of triumph. I once whispered sweet nothings in Spanish, or for the layman, Espanol, to my wife, courtesy of Babel. Her reaction, well, I'll tell you, she was utterly bewitched. Greg, you silver-tongued devil. No paraphrase. She exclaimed such vocabulary as I bask in the glory of my perfect pronunciation. Because Babel isn't just about learning words. It's about embracing the art of conversation with podcasts, live classes, and a veritable smorgasbord of interactive lessons. I know the words I'm saying. And their speech recognition? It's like having a personal language butler. Ensuring every syllable is impeccably crisp. Now brace yourselves for an offer of monumental proportions. Here's a special limited, limited time. time deal for our viewers and listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription. But again, only for our viewers at babbel.com slash rejects. 55% off at babbel.com slash rejects. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash rejects. Rules of May apply. Join me, the Greg Alban, the adventure of language mastery at Babel. We shall not just learn no, nay, we shall conquer the world of communication. Or as they say in Spanish, comunicación. <laughs> We're done with this ad.
thing. Yeah, and again, I'm so happy Ridley Scott turned down uh, Terminator 3, which, of course, we know was directed by Jonathan Mostow, who did U571 uh, right before <laughs> that. But I really feel like they probably, especially with Jerry Brockheimer producing okay. this, probably would have went with Michael Bay if Ridley Scott would have. Well, Simon, just my guess. Simon West oh, was going to do it. Oh, yeah, was, Simon, was, Simon West okay. was. I, I really felt like they would have gone with I, Michael Bay. I saw his name yeah. in the production in the producer okay. credits, and it says, okay. at least on Wikipedia, that he found the book and suggested to Jerry Brockheimer okay. that they make it. And then he was oh, okay. tired after working on Tomb Raider, so he passed the job along. Okay, and, well. and I mean, yeah, it's like if Ridley Scott had done Terminator 3, it would have been funny because, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Jimmy Camera took over for uh, Aliens, so he's coming to take oh, over for Terminator. would have think been funny. about that. I'm but, glad you made that point. I would have been interested. But I feel like Ridley poured his yeah. entire no, self I'm, I'm, into I'm a movie I'm, like I'm, this. As, as, <laughs> as funny and interesting as what the point you just made, I'm, I'm glad he, he stuck with sure, this. Sure, sure. Um, so really quick, a few fun facts that I can, because there's a million here, and so can't go over them all. Some of the, ra- I think you probably already knew this one. Some of the radio chatter in the film was taken from actual radio transmissions made during the battle. I would believe that, but yes. I did not know that. It's fascinating, yeah. Uh, so Nelson, Ewan Bremner, uh, says to Twombly, just don't fire that thing so close to my head I can barely hear as it is. Uh, Bremner actually partially lost his hearing because of all the gunfire. He eventually recovered it from it. I told you that happened to Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2 when they're in the elevator in the T-1000s above as they're escaping from Pescadero. She she went on a bathroom break. She took out the earplugs or whatever, and uh, when she came back, she forgot to put them in, and Arnold was firing the shotguns up, and she she still lost a part of her hearing. So, uh, yeah, that happens. Uh, Let's find some more fun facts for the Reject Nation. (laughs) Uh, Eric Bana's U.S. film debut. He found the experience to be an ultra-realistic one and said he frequently forgot that they were only making a film. Oh, God. <laughs> sure. I mean, you must have to, like, especially a movie like this looks like you would just be immersed oh, in it the entire time. Wow. The photo of a wife and child that one of the soldiers is looking at is actually a photo of Eric Bana's wife and child. The prompts department forgot to take a photo of a wife and child with them, so asked Bana's wife and child who were traveling with if they could use a photo of them in the film. Wow. That's interesting. Okay, if I ever rewatch this film, I'm going to be like, hey, that's Urbana's wife and kid. It is fascinating. Interesting. These things. And, and the way that, you know, again, stuff like war and entertainment intermingle, because something like this, you know, you could certainly see as... I feel like a lot of war movies are Rorschach tests, and I could certainly see how this one could be a Rorschach test because, I mean, you know, for me as a viewer, I watch this, and kind of the whole point is like this: this whole thing is an is a hellish nightmare, and there's oh. there's almost there, yeah, it's that thing of like you don't go here to become a hero. It yeah. happens if it happens, and really, are any of us here? Picking backing off what you just said, according and I have not seen the film. Sure. According to American sniper Chris Kyle, uh. this film is shown to U.S. Naval Special Forces recruits to inspire them before they begin the Hell Week stage of their SEAL training. See, I believe that, and that's like a fast again. That's a fascinating thing, and especially this, well, this was during the Bush did, years. Yeah. So, like, this was a time where, yeah, we were definitely sort of on an upswing of like, no, we need to reexert our power and we need to feel powerful again. And I can see how. I mean, it's weird because I I do think these movies that examine, you know, the again the wanton but also banal cruelty of war and things that you have to see and Mm. handle and desensitize yourself to. Like, it is a tricky, it's a slippery slope to walk because there are so many anti-war messages you can take, 
but also i mean you can take that same piece and see it as like a completely pro like yeah go america and that is one thing about this movie that does kind of uh that that did stand out to me is obviously this is from the american soldier's perspective obviously at least as it's portrayed to us and without having you know like i gotta go back to the early 90s now and and you know go back for that history um, but you know, it's like you don't really get much of anything at all from the Somali side of things, of course. Except Not, nothing, just really. these droves, these these hordes of people yeah. with guns and stuff like that. And so it hints at the the tragedy that it, you know is befalling the region. But but mostly, what you see and spend time with is like you know the, the most radicalized, you know. Uh, uh, sort of bloodthirsty parts in a way and that whole exchange between the emissary for Adid and um, the the guy they take prisoner he's that thing of like you guys can come down here and kill but you can't negotiate yeah. here yeah. you know like we're all killing is negotiating and, yes. and it does yes. it does ring of like there are two very different philosophies because at least when you see these images of certain warlords or, or dictators or whoever it seems like a lot of these guys are willing to strap up and to be out here and again we don't actually I don't feel like we actually I don't even think Adid we saw in the Adid. movie so I, he's not out I, I here fighting necessarily yeah. but like there's a lot less of that chain of command and then here you know you you can't really point to one thing that led to the situation going the way that it did but it certainly seems like they have to deal with a lot less of that but but beyond that yes i i I, it's one of those things where like given what the movie's perspective is i don't begrudge it not like spending a lot of time with the somalis but i do agree with the sort of criticism that uh you know some people have thrown out at least you know kind of reading here about it that you know it doesn't really explore what their situation is at all and it doesn't really explore why are they doing this well that i mean not that i am saying we should see an empathetic view from you know the perpetrators of this violence but more so the other people who live here for whom when we leave they're still going to be stuck with this the people who are the victims of all this the people who are the victims of the starvation and genocide i I would have like you feel sorry for them at the beginning when you're seeing those brief flashes of of that power being exerted but i don't feel like the movie really does much to to nod to or acknowledge the pain and struggle that you know awaits and and is constant for those people yeah you know regardless of our intervention and that's the other thing is they are joking at the beginning of the movie about like you keep coming in and out trying to get this guy mm. you know and you you know we're famous for entering conflicts and then you know piecing out when we've sort of destabilized the conflict but we haven't fully helped rebuild and there are complicated feelings about how to rebuild and how we can help and if we should help and so yeah i mean like i get that the movie you know, at risk of being like five hours long, we yeah. can't see all those other perspectives. I want, but I want the you do see version. this, and for what the images yeah. are showing you, it's pr- I feel like it's pretty easy to watch this yeah. and be like, oh man, those scary Somalis. <laughs> you yeah, know, like they're and, all like the and, and and I feel like that's maybe at least something to note, and I can see how sure. that might inspire some of the yeah. wrong messages. No, I agree. I mean, there's only like a certain things. amount you can show, and I, I get what the shift was focused on. Uh, and to no surprise, what we were talking about during the reaction, uh, this was nominated for Best Cinematography, and to sure. no surprise, they lost to Lord of the Rings, which, Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> which Slavomir Idziak, I, I don't even, I I've, I've never even is. heard I've, that name, but, but but great, uh, and I'm sure you know, they've shot cinema. other stuff. But and yeah, Ridley great. was nominated too, awesome. Uh, I mean, this 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 Rotten Tomatoes sum up kind of actually, I think, is pretty apropos. It says it's it's though it's light, light on, on character, character development, development and cultural empathy. Black Hawk Down is a visceral, 
visceral, pulse-pounding portrait of war yeah. elevated by Ridley Scott's superb technical skill. And I would pretty much agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So I'll read a couple more really quick because I know <laughs> you guys are loving our review. Uh, and fun fun fact trivia is here. Uh, so Ridley Scott offered Russell Crowe the role of Sergeant Norm Hoot Hooten, oh, the sure. Delta Squad leader. However, Crowe had to turn the role down due to scheduling conflicts with Ron Howard's A Beautiful Mind, a so film we'll I have not seen. Different Australian. Yeah. Yeah. Crowe, a huge fan of the film Chopper, strongly recommended that Eric Chopper. Banner take I the role in this place. Too. I have not seen that. Uh, let's see if I can find one or two more <laughs> interesting <laughs> yes. words. Gotta give everybody oh. those juicy oh, God. pearls. Yes, there's... Oh. I'm not going to read this one, but it says a large number of actors who played American soldier, soldiers are actually from different countries. Well, we knew that. And apparently uh, they didn't have any Somali actors in this. Oh, really? <laughs> so I'm like, where, where are all these people from? Oh, I guess they shot in Morocco. Ben Foster, had to, drop, Moroccans? Ben Foster had to drop out of the role as uh, Corporal James Jamie Smith due to a serious injury sustained during basic training. I believe Smith was the one that they had to rip out. And he was like, please, sure. uh, the one who passed away. All right, let's see if I can get one more. <laughs> ben Foster would have been... I could absolutely imagine oh. him in a movie like this. The yeah, way that guy oh. throws himself into a role. Yeah, Ooh. for sure. No, Eric Bana was who? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, 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 we got that. Sorry, yeah, you yeah. said Smith. My bad, my yeah, bad. Yeah, my bad. No, yeah, no, Simon yeah. Smith. Okay, uh, well, I guess we're on the last one. Um, oh, Ridley Scott had to drop his original ending as he found it too pedantic and boring. Oh, well, uh, well we don't know. Well, tell us the ending, yeah. jeepers. We'll have to uh, interview Ridley Scott one day here on <laughs> Real Rejects. And uh, So, Ridley, <laughs> getting <laughs> off topic, we watched Black Hawk Down. We want to know what the pedantic and boring ending of Black Hawk Down was. I mean, I thought it was pretty effective to have him give that final speech, yeah, which I guess they said, totally. they, too, they said they had multiple writers. I'm like, like why, there's why? one credited writer on the script but i guess the author of lots the book of rewrites right did a draft and and um and those speeches the concluding speeches by both josh hartman yeah. and eric banna were written by eric Robb yeah. apparently so there were yeah. a lot of people on that but yeah having yeah. him having him deliver that little speech the narration to the, to the body of of you know his fallen comrade and then you know kind of ship off i guess out of here <laughs> it seemed like plane. he was going like, back home yeah yeah you know um but overall i i quite enjoyed the film i i would like you tend to agree with uh, the consensus of rotten tomatoes i mean they didn't really focus too much on the character development other than a few characters um and obviously we don't we always mind for yeah, a war movie yeah, because exactly. like In this part case, of Part of the structure of war is like you probably know a few people really well, but you're also fighting with a bunch of people you know a little yeah, bit. You totally, know? totally. It's about the collective effort. Totally, but the cinematography, the visceral, immersive experience, and the the I mean, just nonstop pulsing that I felt in my heart. Just yeah. like it was so suspenseful and just I, I just. Yeah, I'm, I think my heart is still not resumed beating, but <laughs> Same. Uh, Ridley Scott, hell of a job. Hans Zimmer, hell of a job. Cinematography from that compo uh, guy, we I forgot his name already, but fan <laughs> fantastic, fantastic <laughs> sure, job. Sure, sure. And uh, all the Slavomir Idziak. Uh, there you go. Fantastic job. All the actors, great job. Uh, one of the best ensemble cast I've ever seen. Uh, let us know in the comments if you think it's better than Mars Attacks from the cast. Um, <laughs> if you think it's a better movie than Mars Attacks, ah, comment ah, below. Ah, 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 ah. Uh, anyways, uh, really enjoyed uh, reacting for this for you guys, and of course with my brother from another mother, John. My brother from another mother, Janitio. Sure. Uh, sorry, see, this film still has me erasing my art. Uh, do you got any final thoughts before we end this? No, I'm said just going to go hug everybody yeah, I know. Yeah, said it all. Uh, <laughs> anyways, y'all be well. Uh, look for us on the Love next uh, reaction. Love you guys. Be safe and. Out uh, there. See you next time.
Tyler Haig. You want to know the first thing that came to mind when I thought of you just now? <laughs> You're going to love this. Oh. I imagine you as a superhero. Ooh. That I get to ride on the back of. Yes. Uh, like in the mighty. Like there's straps and everything. And I ride you like a rancor. Yeah. You, know? you got a little tiny <laughs> throne on his back. I, and I use, and I, you're also <laughs> this man who he seems so soft and gentle. People want to go up to you and pet you. Yeah. But you breathe fire as yeah. well. So you're a like, fire breathing man. He doesn't mean to cook you, but he can. And you wear boxing gloves as well. <laughs> yeah. I like Which it. I control. I'd move you around. Well, uh-uh. Yeah. Like a rock'em, sock'em, hagbot. And I, and together, what we do is we are out there as, as, as vigilantes for Wisconsin because they're in need of protection. Oh, yes. So we're vigilantes. Streets. And what we're really doing, though, is we are setting up a criminal enterprise. And all of these crimes we're stopping are all fake. It's just a big ploy so we can where the oh money God, goes that's genius but record that shit put thing, it online the thing though is is that when this little girl befriends you after i lose you temporarily and she realizes that no. i've just been emotionally no. and mentally abusing you this whole time Listen to, to keep time. you under my control she's, she's soft she's to lying. you and then i'm like we got to get rid of that little girl get rid of her rid of she's, she's threatening our whole operation, operation. I, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't even remind tyler oh, i made him who's boss i here. made you tyler. nothing without me and then oh i forgot to kill her but you save her life and you have to make a choice is it and then boom you, you, you choose her instead but you die in the name of protecting her oh man and then the both of you die in process of that and greg still gets away somehow i still get away because you like, cannot defeat nah, me <laughs> you died for nothing oh, your gesture of goodness and honor will be forgotten by time but then in our sequel tyler's been cloned oh and he's got oh, a twin brother too. oh the samples yeah, at the lab and a long distance brother played by josh brolin dude the perfect casting spitting image of tyler oh totally Totally. Anyway, Tyler, I can't wait to ride on the back of you soon enough. And uh, let's just get this operation off to a good start. Mm -hmm.